0: All right, let's open our Bibles tonight to Luke chapter number two, if you would please. Luke chapter number two. I was speaking with my wife before church tonight, and uh, I was debating on two things, either a joke to tell or a story of my wife to tell. And do you know which side that she chose? And uh, I said, all right, well, how does this joke look? And so I showed her the joke, and uh, as encouraging as she could, she goes, well, I'll laugh at it. And I was like, what do you mean you'll just laugh at it? Is it a good or is it not? But I want you to know, I'll, I'll tell this joke because I like to tell jokes and like to tell stories. But uh, this has got the stamp of Brother, uh, brother Martinez on it. Uh, so uh, he looked at me. He said, just go with it, brother. And, uh, and so once upon a time, uh, there was a woman who woke up in the middle of the night, only discovered that her husband was not in bed. Curious, she put on her robe and some slippers and went downstairs, and there he was, sitting at the table with a cup of coffee in his hand. She could tell that he was deep in thought as he was just staring at the, at the wall. As she got closer, she could see a tear running down his cheek. As he took a sip of his coffee, she sat down at the table and asked, "'Honey, what's the matter?' Why aren't you in bed? Why are you down here in the middle of the night? To which she responded, Do you remember 20 years ago when we were dating in our late teens? Of course I do, she said. Do you remember when your father caught us holding hands? He asked. Yes, she replied. Do you remember when he shoved that shotgun in my face and said, Either you marry my daughter or spend 20 years in jail? He asked. I remember, she said, but what does that have to do with anything? Well, he responded, wiping another tear away from his face. Today, I would have gotten out. <laughs> Men, aren't we thankful for our wives? And I'm certainly thankful for my wife. Uh, in just a few weeks, we'll be sever- uh, celebrating 11 years of marriage. And I certainly couldn't do... Uh, what I do without my wife, and I, I love her very much. Luke chapter number two. If you are visiting with us, we're so glad to have you tonight. I do want to encourage you to be back uh, and hear our pastor preach. Uh, we, we are grateful as a church family, and we love our pastor. And, and I want to encourage you to be back uh, as, as he will be with us. In Luke chapter two, before we read our text, I want to make reference to Colossians chapter one. And verse number 18, where it speaks of the preeminence of Christ. It not only speaks of His prominence, His authority, but it speaks of the priority that He should have in our life. Priorities reveal what is important. That is why we are to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, because when we give Him the preeminence, there is power and divine providence. And we need that power today. Uh, we need that wisdom today as we seek to do a great work for God. If I could say it this way as we seek for God to do a work in our midst, as we long for that double portion, we must ask a simple question Have we made room for Jesus? Yeah, Have uh, we made room for Him to work? Room for His Spirit to move in our marriage, in our home, and in our church. In Luke chapter 2, in the midst of the story concerning the birth of Christ, we are faced with this very thought. I want us to look at it together, shall we? Luke chapter number 2, and we'll begin reading in verse number 6. The Bible says, And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I want to draw your attention back to verse number 7, where it says, And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger. Notice this now. Because. Because there was no room for them in the end. Perhaps the reason some have no room for God's word in their life today, even uh, those that profess Christ, is simply because our lives have been filled by this world. Some have no room for holiness because it's been filled by Hollywood. Instead of pursuing Christ, we have pursued the cause of men. Why? Because there is no room. For just a few moments, I want to challenge us both individually and collectively. And while I, I promise you we will not be long tonight, I do want you to give me your ear. I want you to listen carefully as we consider this thought. And as I challenge you to make room for Jesus. Let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come tonight and as we... Take inventory of our life. May we ask ourselves, what is is filling our mind? What is filling our heart? What is filling our thoughts? If we could use this term, Lord, what, what are we filling our house, our room with? Lord, may we tonight consider some things that we need to get rid of and make way for you to do work in our life. May your spirit speak to each of our hearts. May it challenge us. In this moment, in Jesus' name, amen. Throughout history, we have been given this choice. And this choice revolves around this thought, will we make room for Jesus? Think of it, if you will, when Herod heard that uh, Jesus was born, he did not throw a celebration Though he deceitfully sought him under the guise of worship, the Bible tells us that he made a decree, he passed some legislation, if you will, to murder all of the infants in Bethlehem in an attempt to get rid of the baby Jesus. Because politically speaking, Herod knew at the very least What Jesus represented, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And instead of being willing to step aside, instead of being willing to make room for Jesus, the innkeeper of the kingdom, if you will, he said, though it were a thought, we have no room for him. We see this even in the political realm today. We think of the scribes and Pharisees the religious crowd of that day and how they heard that the Messiah had come. Please take note, I am talking about devout men, educated men, scholars, uh, men who were faithful to their synagogue, men who knew the Old Testament quite well. You would think that they would be excited. You would think that they would tell others to follow Jesus, You would think that they would receive him with open arms, and yet they had no room for him. I wonder today how many of our churches have room for Jesus. You have heard the expression, in some churches you wouldn't even trip over Jesus. In this passage of Scripture, though it is something mentioned in passing, We find an innkeeper who, when it came to the birth of Christ, when Mary and Joseph were in their time of need, turned them away because he had no room for them. If you've studied this out, if I could just say, though a manger was offered, both compassion and Christ were not a priority, but more of an afterthought. They did not give Jesus their all as it was preached this morning. And therein lies the danger we must avoid, both as a Christian and as a church, that we would not give Christ the preeminence. That they would give him only what room they have left, if there is any. No, my friends, Christ must have the preeminence. We must make room for Jesus. We consider this innkeeper. Perhaps this was a moral man. Uh, Perhaps this was a hard-working man. Uh, Perhaps this was a man who uh, provided for his family. And by the way, that is what a man is supposed to do. If I could just insert this here and speak to the single ladies for just a moment, I think some of our young men need to hear this as well. But ladies, if he is not moral... If he is not hardworking, no matter if he professes to be a godly man, he is not a man that will provide for your family. Cleanliness may be next to godliness, but laziness is not. But I'm sure if we could talk with this innkeeper for just a moment, I'm sure that he would provide us with his rationale. He would provide us with every excuse, uh, perhaps known to man, as to why he could not give them room. We look back bewildered, don't we? How could he turn them away? Did he not know the prophecy? Did he not know who Jesus was? And even if he did not know who Jesus was, how could he turn away a woman with child? We could say this was a man, though perhaps a good man, a man whose life had become preoccupied. A home, though filled, a home that lacked the Lord. If we're not careful, that is exactly what we will do in our own life and in our own home. And we will give our own rationale. We will give every excuse as to why we have no room for Jesus. But if I could just challenge you as you examine your own heart and your own home tonight, make room for Jesus. I want to challenge you to do three things, and then we'll be through. Number one, I want to challenge you to make room for Jesus in your heart. I want to challenge you to make room for Jesus in your heart. The Bible says, with the heart man believeth. And with a mouth is confession made unto salvation. We look at the uh, scribes and Pharisees of that day. We look at the religious crowd, moral men, but men who knew not God. At the very least, this is a religious crowd, a church-going crowd, but religion will not save you. Only faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary will save you from the penalty of sin. We live in the South, do we not? The Bible Belt of America, it would seem as though everyone is religious and many will profess Christ. But listen to me, though some may profess Christ, that does not mean they possess Christ. If we were to ask the scribes and Pharisees, do you believe in God? They would respond, indeed we do. And though they knew of him, They did not know him. I just want to encourage you, if you have never made room for Jesus in your heart, make room for him today. We think of story after story in the Bible. I think of King Agrippa when Paul gave him his testimony. When Paul preached Christ unto him. When King Agrippa said to Paul, almost thou persuadest me. I think of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus, who wanted to learn from Jesus, who no doubt uh, listened to what Jesus had to say, but walked away from the Lord sorrowful. Right. We could go all the way back to the story of Cain and Abel and how Cain offered up the works of his own hand instead of offering uh, an offering that symbolized the sinless blood of a spotless lamb. And we could go uh, all the way to the cross of Calvary when Pilate knew that Jesus was sinless and spotless before the law, but men cried, crucify him, crucify him. When they asked for the release of Barabbas, a known criminal, tried and convicted, why did they do that? That Jesus might take his place. They did it simply because they had no room for Jesus in their heart. But the Bible does speak of those who made room for Jesus in their heart. I think of the woman at the well who when confronted with her lost condition made room for Jesus. Who forsook that which was temporal, the water which she came to obtain and made room for that which was eternal. I think of the woman with the blood disease. She saw every doctor. She tried every cure. Just feel led of the spirit to say she got every shot. I don't know why I was led to say that. Nothing seemed to work but when Jesus came to town. He was not what the doctors would prescribe. Uh, He was not what the religious crowd would promote. But despite what everyone else was doing, she made room for Jesus. And what man could not do, Jesus did. And aren't you glad tonight that Jesus did a work that no man could do in your life tonight? Well, let me ask, have you made room in your heart for Jesus? Can he be found there? Have you welcomed him in? I hope that you have, but I speak not only of our salvation, but of a servant's heart. I think of Nehemiah. If you remember in the story of Nehemiah, when he had heard the ruin of Jerusalem, how God gave him a burden. Could I ask, is there room in your heart for God to give you a burden for Jacksonville, Florida? Is there room in your heart for God to stir you? To be his servant in this day and in this hour. Perhaps there are some things in our heart that need to be removed so we can make way for the Lord to do his work. Number two, I wanna challenge you to make room for Jesus in your home. I wanna challenge you not only to make room for Jesus in your heart, but I wanna challenge you to make room for Jesus. In your home. When Joshua made that statement, we all know that statement. We probably got some type of plaque in our house right now. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Do you realize that he had first had to come to a place where he chose to make room for his God? Can I say it this way? God, God is the one that took the priority over man's opinion. And though Joshua was delayed in seeing the promises of God, Joshua was faithful because Joshua made it a point to make sure there was room for Jesus in his home. With all of the busyness of home life, and can we not testify to that tonight? With all of the busyness of home life, the chores, the scheduled outings, school and homework and work, the yard work, the honey to-do list, keeping up with the kids, the basketball games, the volleyball games, the teen activities, the kids, uh, king's kids, the fighting, the peacemaking, the cooking, the shopping, paying bills, from loving one another to forgiving one another, and everything in between and much more. It is easy. Could we not testify it is easy for us to come up with all of the excuses as to why we have no room. I can't make it to church today. I'm too busy to pray today. I don't have time to open my Bible today. I know the Lord perhaps laid it on my heart to witness to that person, but I've got too much to do, and we've made no room for him But I would remind us what someone once said, if it is important to you, you'll find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse. We have to ask the question, is our relationship with God important? Is the work of God, are the things of God, is the cause of Christ important to us? It's very interesting, we could make the argument if we were to look from the innkeeper's perspective, we could make the argument that the innkeeper had an obligation to those who previously sought his accommodations. He he couldn't kick them out. But I would propose this question to you. Did not the innkeeper have a bed that he could have offered? Would you say... That, that would mean he would have to sacrifice. Is Jesus not worth our sacrifice? There's a biblical principle here that we can learn from, and that is this, making room in your home for Jesus is not always convenient. And sometimes it might require sacrifice, but it is not without blessing. As a Christian, I would remind us that it is a necessity. I promise you, no no mom, no dad ever regretted making room for Jesus in their home as they watched their children grow up and serve the Lord. I promise you, no mom and dad ever regretted watching their children walk in truth. I promise as they watch their children walk down the aisle pure, I promise you they aren't in the back going, I wish I hadn't sacrificed for the Lord. No, on the contrary. One of the greatest things that we can teach in our home, one of the greatest gifts that we can give is that of making room for Jesus Making room for our prayer life, making room for our Bible, making room for our witness, making room for our love towards one another, making room for our kindness, making room in our marriage. We have to ask what kind of home do we want? I, I don't know about you, but I, I would rather have a home that was educated by God than our government. I would rather have a home that was taught the theology of the Bible than a theory that we've evolved from baboons. I'd rather have our young people witnessing and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ than wasting their life at some party. I'd rather them have Christian character than the carnal culture around them. But that is a choice that we all have to make and I promise you, it will not happen by accident. It will happen on purpose. And that is determined on what we do with this question. Will we make room for Jesus? I pray you will make room in your home today. Perhaps there's some things we need to get rid of to make room for him. Some things that are hindering you. The Lord is laying that on your heart right now. I've challenged us to make room in our heart and in our home and Third and finally, and I promise you won't be long, aren't you proud of me? Number three, I want to challenge you to make room for Jesus in your hope. We have placed our hope in so many things today, haven't we? We have placed our hope in our government. We have placed our hope in our job. And we've all known people that have placed their hope in their job only to have gotten laid off after decades of service. We've placed our hope in an election. We have placed our hope in, and I think of sports, this will be the year. You know what I'm talking about? This this year is over for football for many of us, but next year, you know what I'm talking about? We place our hope in our education, and don't misunderstand God can use those things, but just because God uses those things doesn't mean that is where our hope lies. Because our hope lies with God. When we think of hope, we think of our desires. When we think of our desires, we think of our agenda, our plan. You've got a five-year plan, a 15-year plan. You have, especially for a lot of our younger people, they have got it all worked out Everything seems to be going according to schedule. And then your hope is taken away. Your timetable is thrown out the window. Uh, Your life seems to have turned upside down. You feel like you are experiencing a setback. But not if God is in your agenda. Not if you make room for Jesus in your hope. Because though you might battle some of these feelings, you'll be reminded that you're not on your timetable. You're on God's timetable. Remember that when you feel like your life is turning upside down, when the unexpected happens, perhaps it is God turning your world right side up. Perhaps a setback is Really a step forward. Perhaps uh, when you feel what you feel is being taken away is really God bringing something your way? Because as someone once said, in order to make room for better things, there are some things you have to let go of. And I think that we would all agree tonight that God is the better thing. I believe, without a shadow of doubt, God has great things in store for our church. Our pastor has a great vision. And with the Lord's help, we can see it come to fruition. But the room can only be enlarged when we give Jesus the room. The blessings will only come when we give him the room to do a work in our life and through our life. We look at this innkeeper and we come to the conclusion that Christ did not have the preeminence, that Christ was not the priority. Could I just simply ask tonight, does he have the preeminence in your life? Is he a priority in your life? We look at the state of our nation and we wonder and we have asked it to ourselves and out loud many times, how did we get here? Perhaps it is when they kicked the Bible out of the classroom because they had no room for him. Perhaps it is when they kicked the Ten Commandments out of the courtroom because they had no room for him. But my prayer is that it would never be asked of us, what happened to that Christian? What happened to that family? What happened to that church? Only for one to respond, they had no room for him. I don't know what it might be for you. However God has spoken to you today, I would simply encourage you, make room for Jesus. Heavenly Father.